Vladimir Putin's vice-like grip on power in Russia seems to have ratcheted up even further with the death of the country's main opposition leader, Alexei Navalny. Just a month shy of national elections, Alexei Navalny died in a prison cell in the Russian Arctic where he'd been held since 2021 on what many human rights activists allege were trumped-up charges. Now, Mr Navalny's family have reportedly been told his body will not be released for two weeks. His widow, Yulia, has allegedly uh, says it's been kept until traces of a nerve agent used to kill him have uh, disappeared. That's her allegation. Bill Browder is a British-American financier and political activist who has successfully lobbied governments across the world, including Australia's, to implement so-called Magnitsky Acts, named in honour of his friend, Russian tax lawyer Sergei Magnitsky, who was beaten to death in a Russian prison in 20, uh, 2009. He also... As a friend of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny, I spoke to him earlier and began by asking him if his death was a surprise. I'm afraid to say it did surprise me. <clears throat> as much as one could predict that Putin would want to kill him and everybody talked about that, um, the fact that he, you know, that, that the headline came across the wires on Friday that he was dead, you know, hit me like a, like a uh, punch in the gut. It was really just really horrible. I mean, it's, it was intellectually not surprising, but emotionally it was very surprising. And, and I'm still trying to process a world that where Alexei Navalny is dead. It's just hard to even imagine. Prison authorities have said uh, that he suffered, quote, sudden death syndrome, which is a rather suspicious, non-specific umbrella term that could apply to a number of conditions. What do you think happened to him? Well, we don't know, and we probably never will know exactly what happened to him. What we do know is that Putin has a very, very long list of, of dead enemies, people, opposition activists like Boris Nemtsov, uh, journalists like Anna Politkovskaya, you have spies like Alexander Litvinenko. You know, he goes around Russia and around the world killing anybody he doesn't like, and he tried to kill Alexei Navalny once before with um, Novichok in 2020, it didn't work. But it's pretty obvious here that um, for whatever reason, he decided now is the time that he wanted to kill Navalny. And, and uh, there's no question in anybody's mind, really, that, that um, Putin executed a very high-level uh, political assassination of a prisoner in his custody. How much contact had you had with him in recent months and years? How was his health and his sort of general well-being? Um, well, I haven't had any contact with him since he was put in jail, but before that, we were regular allies on a lot of different issues in, in relation to Putin's corruption and the corruption of the Russian government. We, we were good friends, good allies, and, and um, he was a very robust character. I mean, he was uh, 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 really t tough, you know, large, fit man who, um, you know, doesn't just drop dead at the age of 47 unless the Russian authorities have something to do with it. I mean, if you accept that Navalny's conviction and imprisonment on charges of extremism was purely intended to silence him, why do you believe Putin or all those around him had to go that one step further? And why so close to the election too? Well, the election is a pivotal moment for Putin. Um, and I, I, we shouldn't call it an election. That, that's an insult to the word election. True, uh, true, Putin I agree. That there, there are no elections in Russia. He, everybody who's in opposition is either dead or in jail or in exile. But um, Alexei Navalny was a very special case because he's the most popular politician in Russia, and probably the only politician. Putin's not a politician. He's a, um, a dictator. He's a, he's a person who uses the power of the state to 
uh, force people uh, into submission. Whereas Alexei Navalny was was somebody who um, really won the hearts and minds of of many people, particularly young people in Russia. And and being the only real politician, the, the, if there was a, if, and I should say, if there was any type of real competition, um, Alexei Navalny would have probably gotten like ninety percent of the vote. If there if there was a real election with real campaigning and access to media, why would anyone vote for a for an old kleptocratic dictator who only knows how to punish people? when they could have a young, uh, optimistic man who believes in freedom, democracy, and, and wants to stamp out corruption. I mean, Alexei Navalny had a much more attractive proposition. And, and the fact that he was so attractive and the fact that he, even in, from jail, he could issue, you know, three-line tweets and the whole, uh, you know, younger population of Russia would pay attention was something that was deeply scary to Putin. Putin needs to, ha- to have this, quote, election look legitimate, and it has to look like he won, and there can't be such a, a massive sort of um, failure in any way that, that he loses legitimacy, because if he ever were to lose legitimacy, he'd lose his job, he'd go to jail, and he'd probably die. And so for Putin, um, he's getting more and more scared. The, the more Russian people suffer from the war and the economy and all the other things, um, the more scared Putin gets that, that they may you know rise up at some point or certainly not support him. And and um, Alexei Navalny, for whatever reason, Putin picked this moment to kill the guy who was the biggest threat to him. And, and I guess some people would argue or, or would question why Putin waited this long. Um, and um, there's no exact answer. I guess we all can only speculate, but uh, it's obvious to me and it's obvious to anyone who knows the situation there that Putin killed him. Is there any scenario where this backfires for Putin. I mean, we've seen some very strong statements from Alexei Navalny's widow, Yulia, in the past 24 hours. And with the aforementioned proximity to the quote-unquote elections, could, could this backfire on Putin? Yeah, definitely. You know, Putin is going to do everything he can to repress, suppress, attack, terrorize the people in Russia so that it doesn't. But it's impossible to say how this is going to play itself out. And, and the fact that... Um, Putin killed Navalny, and then his charismatic, attractive wife steps in to take over. That was probably unexpected from Putin's side, and and um, and and whatever happens from here is impossible to predict. But but the one thing you can say is is that um, Alexei Navalny will, will plague Putin in one way or another for a long time to come. On our end drive, I'm speaking with political activist Bill Browder about the death of his friend Alexei Navalny over the weekend. In 2021, US President Joe Biden pledged that there would be devastating consequences for Russia if Mr. Navalny died in prison. Where does that leave the US diplomatically now? What do you think that the US and other countries should be doing in response to Mr. Navalny's death? Well, when Biden made that statement, it was before Putin had invaded Ukraine. And after Putin invaded Ukraine, the the number of sanctions against Putin and his regime in Russia has gone exponential. And so whatever Biden might have had in mind before the war, a lot of that stuff has been unleashed on Putin already. But there's one thing, one very powerful thing left, which um, which could really even the, the, the level the playing field and, and uh, take some, create some pain for Putin. And, and that is that when the war started, one of the things that Western governments did was we froze roughly $300 billion of Russian central bank reserves that were held in the West. All that money was frozen a week after the war started. 
And one of the things which, which I've been campaigning for for the last two years and many other people are campaigning for as well is that the money shouldn't just be frozen. That money should be confiscated. And that confiscated money should be used for the defense and reconstruction of Ukraine. And I think that that should happen now. And they should call that confiscation uh, the Navalny Act. And I think that, that that is something that would give Putin really two fingers in the eye. And, and that would be something that would help Ukraine, fund Ukraine for the uh, fight back against Russia. And it would be a way of, of showing that we really weren't happy with Putin killing Navalny. And, uh, and this is what happens when you do something like that. Of course, you were instrumental in spearheading the Magnitsky movement. I wonder what you learned in terms of uh, diplomacy and international relations in being successful in that movement to perhaps lead to this Navalny Act that you've just mentioned. What have you learned in your previous experiences about how to and how to not go about getting success in these areas? Well, um, I was always worried about um, when I was campaigning for justice for Sergei Magnitsky, which led to the Magnitsky Act, I was always worried that, you know, people would grow tired of me. I would slip into irrelevance and insignificance as time went on. And what I discovered was that uh, Putin was was, um, actually the most helpful person in lobbying for the Magnitsky Act, because every time people would get tired of hearing my story, he would do something so outrageous that everyone would want to hear it again. And that's exactly what's happened here. You know, people were growing tired of, of the war in Ukraine. They were tired of talking about Putin, tired of, of Russia. And all of a sudden, um, Putin kills Alexei Navalny, and everybody is paying attention now. And, and a lot of things which might not have happened before will probably happen now. I think that the U.S. Congress will probably release the $63 billion of military aid for Ukraine that was held up by the Republicans. I think that the Western governments will confiscate this money um, uh, and give it to Ukraine. And I would imagine that Putin will do more really nasty things that will continue to keep people energized um, in helping Ukraine and, and, and trying to contain Putin, because he seems to be the best source of, of inspiration for all the anti-Putin people around the world. It's just he's always doing something to um, keep people wanting to do more things to contain him. You mentioned, Bill, some of the uh, dead enemies of Putin, and uh, perhaps uh, Alexei Navalny is the latest on that list. But tell me about uh, your fears for another jailed activist, journalist Vladimir Kara Mirza. What can you tell me about that situation? Well, thank you for mentioning him. He's, he's a, a close friend of mine. He was one of the people who I traveled the world with to advocate for the Magnitsky Act. The Russians hate his guts because of the Magnitsky Act. They tried to poison him in 2015 with some type of horrible nerve agent, which uh, left him in a coma, multiple organ failure. He nearly died. They tried again in 2017. Again, he nearly died. He's been suffering from the after effects of this poison since then. And at the beginning of the war in 2022, he committed himself to going back to Russia to protest the war and try to lead the Russians against Putin. He lasted about a day when he went on CNN and, and criticized Putin and called him a war criminal and a murderer, he was subsequently arrested and sentenced to 25 years in jail, which is where he sits now in a Siberian prison in solitary confinement, suffering from the after effects of this horrible nerve agent. And he's slowly dying in this solitary confinement cell. And so one of my biggest priorities and something that I work on very, very actively is trying to free him from prison. And I was just at the Munich Security Conference 
meeting with foreign ministers from a number of countries to try to drum up some type of uh, what I would call a bridge of spies type of prisoner swap, where we identify some Russian spies that are in Western prisons and hopefully uh, exchange them for Vladimir and a few other vulnerable Russian political prisoners in Russia. Because I don't believe that Vladimir will survive two years, let alone 25 years in the Siberian gulag. Just lastly, I imagine your negotiations at the security conference in Munich were given extra awareness or or impetus given the news about Navalny. How is the European community receiving this news? Is it a surprise, not a surprise? Um, When I was in Munich at the security conference, the shock and and outrage was visceral. You could literally cut through it in the air. It It was so present in everyone's mind. You didn't have to like say any words. You could just look into people's eyes and you could see how outraged everybody was. And this will have a very dramatic and important political consequence for Putin as as everybody processes this shocking, outrageous story and, and tries to do something with it. Bill Browder, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much for staying up late where you are. Uh, great to talk to you this afternoon. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.